All right, what's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Taz Show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Much appreciated. Hope everybody's doing well during this uh, beautiful summer season. And I hope you guys are kicking ass and taking names as the cliche goes. Uh, We have a a good show here prepared for you. I'm going to handle some topics that were going on during the week. One that included me. Um, (laughs) And an old wrestling hold. (laughs) That was pretty impressive, I guess, that worked. And uh, also got a little news uh, to to break. You know, not not massive news, but big enough news that you guys are going to want to hear. But on the uh, more of a... um, I hate to start the show off on a sad note, but I think I need to just bring this forward that we lost a uh, legend in the great Harley race on August 1st, uh, 2000, uh, 2019, I should say August 1st, 2019, uh, Harley had uh, passed away. Um, this man was, uh, just, just respected, uh, just for so many decades in the wrestling business. And, um, you know, he was sick. He was, you know, he, he, I believe he had, I believe he had lung cancer. I, that's what I believe. And, um, regardless, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I wanted to just come out and just kind of, you know, give my, uh, pay my, my condolences uh, and respect towards his family and, and his, his, his loyal and massive fan base, uh, worldwide. You know, Holly was, um, just an amazing, uh, amazing, amazing worker, amazing wrestler, uh, a true tough guy, like from back in the day, you know what I mean? Like, and, uh, uh, technique wise was legit as legit can be had everything down pat in the ring. Like what he did, you know, he's just, his work rate screamed credibility. And, and as far as realistic back in the day as him coming up, I mean, you know, you know, he broke in many, many moons ago, many, many years ago. And, you know, when, when he kind of was coming up during that era, you know, during the, geez, it had to be late, man, it had to be 60, probably mid-60s, somewhere in that that realm right there. Uh, I mean, to come up in the business, you know, uh, and, and I know he went into the, the AWA and was there from, for years, like from the 60s, uh, mid-60s to, to 80s and stuff like that. But, you know, these guys back in the day, they, these guys during Harley's era, they were traveling all over the ro- road, working for all different terador- territories, just during the territory years and all. And it was a totally different business than today, obviously, you know. But, you know, back way back when, you know, most fans thought the business was a shoot. Because people, there was no such thing as smart fans. There was no internet. There was no dirt sheets. There was none of this. It was protected strongly by the wrestlers and by the promoters and anybody involved with it. And if you thought that it was a work, you ended up getting kind of beat up, to be honest. It was, but it's a different era. You know, he came up, man, and it was like it was different for a long time, and especially in the 70s and the early 80s. I mean, the business was what we call protected. Um, well, my generation would call it protected. The current generation, I'm not sure what they would call that. But so, you know, point in mentioning that was, is I should say, is that his work rate um, screamed toughness and intensity, uh, crisp, very crisp. You know, he's a wrestler's wrestler, a grappler's grappler. Um, you know, could shoot on you, could hook you, do whatever you want to do, or work clean, straight with you. You know, so this this guy traveled the world. This man was a legend, and and he's you know, he leaves behind an amazing legacy, just an amazing, amazing legacy. Um, working in every major promotion, you know, all the years in the NWA, I believe Holly was a seven time, cha- maybe an eight time world champ, NWA world champ. You know, and he was there for a lot of years in the, throughout the 70s into the 80s and stuff. So, you know, he, you know, just, uh, just uh, to hold, especially the NWA World Heavyweight Championship back then, 
you know, during that era, the eras of the Funks and Briscoes and all that, all these guys that were just so great in the ring and how 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 you know how they worked, you know, just just was tremendous. And Holly was right at the right at right at the tippy top with with all those men. They were all at the top. And you think of guys like you think of names like Funk, like Briscoe, Race. What I think of is and they're world champion or just flat out world champion. So I mean, you know, it's just that's that's kind of who who these men were. But in, in I'm paying respects towards Holly right now, obviously, and and that's who Holly Race uh, was. Uh, he's a champion, you know. And um, you know, like I said, leaves behind an amazing legacy. You know, a lot of maybe I don't say younger fans because you can't be that young if you remember him when he was in WWF doing the King gimmick, right? He was the King, right? So, and he had the purple and everything, and and you know that's during the era in WWF when gimmicks where everybody had a pet, like a, a Coca-Cola had the parrot, and the British Bulldogs had the bull. I mean, Jake Roberts had the snake, and there was all sorts of gimmicks, and it was a gimmick era. Um, that's what it was, and they take a guy like Harley Race, uh, Vince does. And it wasn't that Vince didn't do anything wrong. It's just you get a guy like Holly who was credible, and they had a lot of credible guys that would come to WWF and all the years in the NWA and everything and AWA and all the years traveling and working all over the world. And then he comes in and does a King gimmick and got it over. You know, it was great. I mean, I remember when I was younger watching it coming up in the business, uh, right before I broke into the business, seeing it. And then right around once I broke into the business, I'm trying to remember that era. And, you know, it was, it was great. It was great. I, so I actually, I met Holly Race a few times in my career and and just a super guy, just a really nice man, regardless of how great of a talent he was and a wrestler, but just a, a really nice guy, a nice man, you know, and I, I um, the first time I met him, I might have told this story a long time ago, one of the Taz shows. Because there's so many episodes, right? So I, I sometimes I don't remember what I what I told you guys, what I didn't. But I I feel like I did mention this in passing. I was getting a tryout during it was probably 1989, maybe 90. I'm trying to remember when in that re- area right there, v- super late 80s, like 89, early 90, maybe nine, maybe 91, and Holly Race. I think at that time was managing Vader. And I went down and had tryout matches on like house shows and stuff in in, in that Georgia belt and down in Georgia for you know WCW NWA. It was kind of like kind of looped in there together. And this is when Bill Watts was booking the territory and the late great Dusty Rhodes was down there, part of the book, and Mike Graham was involved and she's uh, uh, I'm trying to think who else was involved. I think Magnum TA was involved. So they're all you know all super credible guys were in the office. But Bill Watts at that time was the boss. So anyway, I come down and here I am. I'm this you know Yankee, this kid from the north, you know, like so. I'm green as shit, and um, and I don't remember what town it was. It was it was in Georgia somewhere. It was outside of Atlanta. I know that. Now, uh, Chris Benoit was working there too, as you guys know. And when he was younger, he was working for the, for that company, and so Chris was getting some good amount of reps, good amount of shows, working for them a good amount as a young a young up and coming for them, and um, and I had known Chris a little bit, and and then so. You know, he wasn't making a ton of money. I was coming and just getting paid for a couple of shows, just like trying out. So, you know, a lot of times when young wrestlers, you don't have the money, maybe you can't afford to rent a car or you don't have money for gas. So you don't want to rent a car. And (laughs) so you try, you would try to jump in a car with a veteran. So, you know, we're just trying to find rides from town to town. So Harley Race. You know, uh, actually, I think I might have been Chris that introduced me to Harley Race, and when we were at the in the locker room in the sh- at the show, and he said, "Well, I I, I can't do Harley voice. I can give you guys a ride if you want to next town. If you want, I got no, no problem." I'm like, I was like honored. I'm like, wow, Harley Race is offering to give me be being a car, me being a car with Harley Race getting a ride. How much I could learn, and oh my God, this is amazing, and this this is this is a legend. Because even back then, we you know you knew he was a legend. And of course, you know, Chris and I were like, yeah, that'd be great. That type of deal. And so show ends, whatever. And um, he has, uh, Harley had this, you know, a rent-a-card. It was, it was a big, beautiful Cadillac, like a big sedan deville, you know, a nice caddy. Like, like you know, back in the day you could, well, you still could rent Cadillacs. So back then, you know, a lot of the wrestlers that were making a better money or managers, they were renting caddies or Lincolns. And, you know, Harley was a caddy guy. So I'm, you guys aren't shocked to hear that. He was so successful. And, um, uh, 
So I'll never forget. So Holly, I offered to drive. He was, no, 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 no. Chris offered to drive. He was, no, 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 I'll drive. And uh, one of the boys said to me, because he heard we were going to drive with Holly, said, listen, you, I can't remember who it was. It's, damn, it's, it's, it's messing up my head. I just can't remember who it was. Said, you should offer to drive. Don't, don't let him drive. Uh, I'm like, well, why? Is that a good driver? No, no, just, just don't let him drive. Trust me. All right. Right. So, <laughs> so Holly was, you know, Holly says, no, I'll drive. I'm not going to argue with Holly. No problem, sir. You got it, sir. Whatever. Where do you want me to sit? I'm, I'm young boy Jones. You know, I'll do whatever you want to do. And, uh, and Chris was the same way. So Chris ended up sitting in the passenger seat. Holly was in the driver's seat and I was sitting behind Holly in this beautiful Cadillac. And it's a light, rainy, early evening type deal. The show, I must have been a Sunday show because it ended early. I remember it wasn't completely dark yet. And we now get in the car, and he just puts the car in drive and just out of the parking lot, no problem. Gets really to get you know, get to the access road to get on the highway, no problem. And then once we got on that highway, whoo, gone. I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever been so scared in my life in a car than driving with Holly Reese. It was, it was felt like being in uh, like the bullet train in Japan. I just think he was flying and I'm like, oh my God, I'm shitting my pants. I don't want to say nothing. I can see Chris. He's nervous as shit too. And we're trying not to sell it. Like, yeah. And he's just talking to us. We're just listening. I don't remember what he was saying because I'm fucking terrified for my life. Right. (laughs) I said to myself, if I survive this, I will never get in the car with this legend again. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. And uh and and I've been in a car with a lot of guys that drove fast. I mean, I, I remember Big Dick Dudley, God rest his, his soul also. You guys remember Big Dick Dudley, um, those ECW fans and and uh his real name was Alex Rizzo and, and I talked about uh you know, Alex in the past. You know, him and I broke in the same day together with Johnny Rod. So we were long time friendship for, for years and years. I love him. I miss him. And you know, he he lived on Long Island and and when I was uh like going out and engaged I was engaged to my wife, he was going out with a with somebody from the business and she lived in New York too. So a lot of times we double date and um and oh my God and my fiance is my wife now said don't let him drive because that one time we drove with him, I was terrified. I go, I know, I know. So he draw. He used to drive so fast, and we go on the road, and it would be like you know driving the shows. We get out of the car, and he would just say, "Thanks for flying with me," you know, like so. Oh, thanks for flying with us. That type of thing. It was he was insane. I mean, so anyway, uh, Holly uh, Holly Race. I just wanted to tell that quick story, but I mean, there's so many other veterans who wrestled Holly during his. You know, heyday and during his prime, you know, that can tell you much better stories than I told you. But that's the only little story I got about Harley Race. But um, he was a legend. And I, I thanked him. I thanked him for the ride. And, and I remember saying, all right, you know, came back down. I'm like, yes, sir, I'm good. I'm good. You know, and he goes, you know, I'm like, yeah, I just, I said something like, it. I don't remember. He might have referenced something like driving quick or something. I'm like, oh, from New York. I'm used to saying, I'm like, all right. I remember what he said. He was just, just that, that old school, salty, you know, wrestler, you know what I mean? And, uh, man, I'm just smiling away right here because, it, you know, uh, it, it was so cool to be in the car with him. I wish I could have picked his brain more, but I was terrified. So <laughs> I was young, man. I was a young, young wrestler, really young. So, um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's going to be missed by, by, you know, generations. Uh, just a great, great talent, a great, great athlete, great wrestler, uh, legendary. So condolences to, obviously, his his family. Uh, and to uh, all of his fan base. So tough to segue out of something when you're mentioning someone, you know, uh, leaving us, um, you know, but like I said, I didn't know Holly like ultra well, so I can't sit here and act like I knew him that well. But I I mean, I'm strongly assuming he lived a very full life. I mean, all the years of success in the business and and everything. And, and, you know, um, you know, he's, he's done so much. I mean, it's just, it's, um, uh, you know, I always, you know, another thing too, real quick about Holly, like, I always thought that it, that was like a gimmick name, but apparently I believe his real name was Holly Race. I was reading it. I don't know what made me, I was looking something up and I f- fell across a couple of months ago. I was looking something online with wrestling, obviously, and, and Holly's name came up and I clicked over, um, 
towards a page. It wasn't like Wikipedia and none of those things. It was something else. And, and it's, it said his real name was Harley Race. He had a middle name. I can't recall it. But, um, yeah, so um, to me, it's like you, Harley Race. It's like, all right, well, thinking Harley Davidson, you're racing them, whatever. Back in the day, motorcycles, you know, Harley, Harley Davidson. Oh, his real name is Harley Race. Great name, man. And he had a great career. Legendary career, um, super successful. So, um, just, uh, just uh, you know, uh, amazing. This is, this is, th- these are the type of guys. Like, you know, when I was coming up, like these were the, these were the men that, you know, they were the generation before my generation. But like the ultra respect I know I had for so many of these guys, and 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 all all of his great work. Like I said, in the NWA or the AWA or at all Japan, everything he's done, you know. Um, it just, just uh, obviously NWA and 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 all the championships across worldwide that this man Holly Race held uh, in Georgia, you know everything. I mean, just is everywhere, everywhere. Just it, it, it's it, it's his accolades, uh, you know, they're, they're endless. If you just think about his career in, in WWF alone, just the success he had, King of the Ring. I think it was like 1985 or 86. I remember 86. I remember that because I was that's when I was thinking about breaking into the business, like getting trained to be in the business. And I started getting broken in like early 86. And then I was kind of rocking and rolling like right before 87, late 86 in that re- you know, realm. But anyway, like, and I know he's a WWE Hall of Famer and I can't recall what year he went in. It was probably, I, I think I might have been there. I probably was there. It was 03. Was it 03? No, 04. I remember it was 04. I remember it was 04. So, uh, you know what, man? Listen, amazing, just amazing, um, um, amazing athlete, amazing wrestler. I just want to take a few minutes and talk about Harley Race. And like I said, it's a little, a little difficult to segue out of that, you know, when you're talking about something um, like someone leaving us. But, um, but you know, the match goes on, and this podcast that's like a match, right? So I'm sure Harley would appreciate the match going on, or, or maybe the podcast going on, right? So, all right. So now in some some good news, okay, um, going to be doing now, those of you that listen to Taz and the Moose, listen to me on a, on radio, on a sports radio every morning at 6 a.m. Eastern uh, for three hours per day with my co-host, Mark Malusis. You might have heard um, during one of the shows um, this week that Moose accidentally uh, leaked that um, I would be doing a SummerSlam special. So and I will be so SummerSlam I believe is August 11th right whatever Sunday yeah, August 11th and uh, SummerSlam will be out of Toronto as you guys all know and I will be doing a SummerSlam special uh, live on the radio live across the United States on CBS Sports Radio um, which you can get on uh, the CBS Sports app which is great you can get it on the Radio.com app. CBS Sports Radio, um, so you can listen on radio.com. Also, 11 p.m., um, well, my, my bosses didn't tell me what time, but it's always the same thing usually. I usually start 11 p.m. and I go to 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Uh, all Eastern time, and then go to 2 a.m. Eastern. I know, I know, SummerSlam's not going to be over until whatever, midnight. It's no big deal. It happens all the time, and I go on here live at 11 p.m. anyway. Um, so CBS Sports Radio, like I said, get it on the CBS Sports app. You also can get it on SiriusXM channel 206 which is the home for cbs sports radio so if you have sirius xm you can get it on channel 206 you can do that it'll be on a bunch of terrestrial radio station over the air broadcast terrestrial stations national radio wfan for sure in new york tri-state area the big one and usually all the other big uh intercom cbs uh broadcast stations take the show so uh, you guys that listen to the specials in the past, I've been doing these now for several years after big WWE pay-per-views, you guys know where to find it. So uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate to, to do it um, again. I, I, every time that I, they asked me to do it, I think of, it's going to sound corny and I don't mean it to be corny, but I do think of you guys, I think of the audience, you know, because um, I remember when that first one I did way back, and it was like uh, my boss was saying, well, at the time, the VP of programming, he's since left the company, but he was saying, you know, let's see how the audience engagement is. Let's see how, you know, if you get any phone calls, and let's see how the downloads look after it, and let, let's see how the live numbers look, because they can track live numbers, and and it, it blew up, and it was like insane. They were like, yeah, we want you to keep doing this. Um, if you want to, I'm like, yeah, and 
It's because the phone lines, when I do these specials, they literally light up is seven, six lines, six lines, six hot lines, right? So I give out the phone number and it's one number, but it covers six lines. So literally no lie, guys, no bullshit. Okay. From 11 p.m. all the way till usually 1.45 a.m. Uh, Eastern, the phone lines are jammed. So I'll hang up, I'll talk to one person, hang up with them, and the phone line, there's someone, boom, the call screen has the next one in the bank. You know, point is that it's it's such hot engagement right after, you know what I mean, right after the shows or touring the main event or what have you. And it's been great. So I, I got to thank you guys, you know, for keeping it hot, keeping it, you know, keeping it that the company uh, wants me to keep doing it. It's awesome. I don't know how much long I'll be doing these. I mean, I you know, I love, I love doing them. I enjoy them. You guys like them. You know, I, you know, I do them after WrestleMania. I do them after Survivor Series. I do them after SummerSlam. Uh, Rumble. The Big Jones, right? I do them after the big ones. So, you know, it's um, it, it's kind of become like a thing, man. A lot of people, um, you know. They, they, you guys just love it. And I, I get all asked all the time, right? Going leading up to it. You're going to do another one. You're going to do another one. Yeah. You know, I'm doing one this one. Now, normally <laughs> I, I would not be announcing it now. We would be dropping the information the week going into SummerSlam. But because my co host on the radio show, uh, you know, and again, in defense to Moose, he did not know. So he didn't know. I shouldn't say that he didn't know. He did not know that. We were hanging on to the information because he's not part of that part of that show, obviously. So he had just heard that um, I was doing a show. And we were just shooting shit, spitballing on the radio, talking about something that wasn't sports. And then he's—I don't know—we were talking about something with, with WWE. I can't remember what it was. And he had said, "Oh, you're doing a special too, right? SummerSlam special, you know, right after you know, right here on CBS Sports Radio because we're on the CBS Sports Radio on the radio show." And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, Moose, uh, we didn't announce that yet." And he's like, "Okay, so." <laughs> <laughs> but now everyone knows So I figured let me come out here on the podcast and, and, and firm it up with you guys So so we will be doing that And uh, so make sure you check it out And I'll be promoting it And you know uh, throughout the week This week and next week too So and giving you guys more information on that um, In a little few seconds little few seconds. How's that English In a few minutes here I gotta get into talking about Well the Taz mission the Taz mission. What the hell is the Taz mission? If you don't know, I'm going to explain it to you. <laughs> and I'm going to explain to you why I'm talking about it. <laughs> and I'll explain to you my side, which is the honest, true side of this whole thing. And it's a dead issue now, but I just want to, I think I, it's important that I bring it up. But nothing's more important than what's about to happen right now. Ah, okay. Let me see what's going on. So, water break time, guys. A lot of talking. Gotta have some Mizu. M-I-Z-U. That means water in Japanese. Ah, I've been using this uh, bottle with the straw. Fancy. Told you. The one that all the bicycle people use that go all over the world with their bikes. Crazy Flax Jones. I think that's what it's called. Well, maybe that's not the real name. All right, anyways, uh, all right, Taz Show, sit tight, be right back. We're back here. Hang on a second. Doing something. La la. Hang on. Sorry to bore, bore you, I should say, but this is not costing you any money, so I can bore you. You know what I mean? It's really not that big of a deal if you think about it. Uh, la la. All right, I'm back. All right, so, anyways, uh, so here's the deal, right? So, I want to talk a little bit about something that went down during early in the week. Uh, interesting stuff. With uh, an NXT uh, young talent, young superstar that's probably going to be a very big star, very talented young man. Um, and he's, uh, I actually, I think I've talked about him in the past covering some NXT stuff, some shows and matches and matches he was in. Uh, Dominic Dojakovic. Do- 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 
I have a problem saying his name. I need someone to say his name properly to me, but Dominic, I'll just call him so I don't butcher his name anymore than I just did. So I apologize for that. So, I, okay, here's the thing, right? Um, I end up, I, God, I think it was, shoot, I don't know if it was Sunday or this past Sunday or Monday. I'm kind of getting my days all screwed. I think it was Sunday. I had saw a tweet. You know, from him, I, I I wasn't on Twitter that much, and then I went on Twitter and I saw a tweet to me, and I'm not reading these tweets verbatim. Verbatim, I'm just going to tell you like more or less what it said. Uh, it was basically saying, "Hello, Taz, and uh, hey, I'm um, I would love to use the Taz mission as my new finishing hold. I think it would be really good for my character or something like that." Now I'm paraphrasing all these tweets, so again, don't quote me on this stuff, right? Um, so I was a little surprised. I was happily surprised. That um, a young, talented wrestler like this was familiar with my work. I was flattered because I do like his work very much. And so that's the first thought I had. Then I was thinking, let me triple check this. Did he just publicly tweet me? <laughs> because like it's kind of like puts me on the spot here, right? I mean, because I'm like, well, I, I, I have no problem talking to him about this and answering his question and his request and all that jazz. But I just I'm I love you guys on social media, but I'm not comfortable doing that out in front of everybody. I just thought, you know, it'd be better to have a private conversation. I did not reply to him. I thought about it for a little bit. Then I got hung up with stuff at home. I had to go somewhere with my family. And I, frankly, I forgot about the tweet. The next day, I see now a new tweet from him. And it's more or less in the same vein. Again, not not him being like, you know, nasty or not like that. He was being a gentleman. He's being very respectful. So now I'm like, okay. So I replied to him. More or less saying, thank you very much. I appreciate you asking, but maybe in a public forum is not the right way. Maybe privately, you know, a chat would be better in some way, shape, or form. Again, I'm paraphrasing what I said. So now you got to understand, too, like when he had first sent me that first tweet that first day, okay, I think it was Sunday, when he had did that, I had noticed he only followed two people, two accounts. The first thing I looked at is that he was verified. I knew it was, it was a real account. And then I noticed he followed two accounts and um i i so right there and he i think he has like i don't know maybe like 37 or thirty-six thousand people so i looked at i'm like well okay he 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 follows someone named ashley dijack so i'm assuming that's either his wife or maybe his sister i'm not sure i don't know his family situation and he follows croatia full of life an account i'm not too familiar what that is but it's like a tourist thing and he's that's where he's from croatia so i I started thinking, wow, interesting that he only follows two accounts. And I'm thinking, is this is this a real account? Why would he tweet this out to me like this publicly? Like, and I'm thinking, is this this did this kid's account get hacked? You know, and I, that's what threw me off. So I, I'm I'm looking at his account. This is the after this the what do you call it? Second tweet. And I'm saying to myself, well, let me let me look a little. I don't normally do this. Let me look a little deeper into this because I want to make sure that I'm not going to be engaging with someone who is, you know, it's it's a hack thing or whatever. Because you know anything could happen on social media and, and the internet, as you guys know. So I'm I'm looking into it and I'm I'm like, okay. Uh, I look at his tweets and I only see like just a couple of tweets, and they're about the Taz mission. I'm like, okay, this is weird. It's like, now I'm really starting to think this is not a real account, right? This is what my initial thought was. So now I start sending text messages to a, two people in WWE, which I would rather not mention their names, and two very credible people. And um, I'm asking, is this this kid's real account? Is, did something happen on social media with his account? They both told me that's his account. Okay, I'm like, okay, uh, and they said they didn't hear anything about being hacked, and then one of them told me that he, a lot of times, I could be wrong, and it said Dominic, a lot of times he'll tweet, and then after he tweet, he'll like delete his tweets, and not that he's hiding anything, it's just that he doesn't keep like a feed, I guess, I'm assuming that's what it is. Okay, cool, and and I'm still a little bit like, eh, I want to make sure this guy's real, <laughs> I still felt like, you know, because I'm a conspiracy theorist, you know, I don't. You know, I guess where I grew up and I'm a New York City guy and, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, living in Queens and living in Brooklyn, going to school in East New York. And, you know, what I mean, so it's like to me, 
it's I, I promise myself I don't want to get worked. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've been worked before, and I'm sure I'll be worked again in my life. But I do my damnedest not to get worked. That's my my goal. So <laughs> I don't want to get worked. I don't want to get conned. I don't want to get swayed. I don't get nothing. So I know I'm in. I, I was in the wrong business. I know. But anyway, so I'm like, all right. Well, this is interesting. So so when he sent me that second, um, when when Dominic, uh, I'll call him Dijak, when he sent me that second um, tweet. You know, re, you know, asking me about the hold, um, if he could use the hold and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, well, let me send the guy a message. And I sent the message that you guys all saw. Most of you guys saw that said, thank you. I appreciate it. But, you know, um, maybe privately should happen. We should have a conversation. Some of you guys were texting, uh, tweeting him saying, dude, you shouldn't do this in public. You should have, you should follow him and then, or connect with somebody that you know, that knows him. And, and he does know enough people that know me. So, uh, and I know people who know him, you know, so that, that, that he works with. So anyway, he ends up following me. So I noticed he followed me. So then I followed him back, but I sent him a direct message and I, I'm not going to read the whole dialogue of the direct, direct message because we exchanged a bunch of messages back and forth and that's why they're private. And we had a really good exchange and, and respectful exchange and everything was cool. And, I, you know, he... You know, he had, he, uh, I don't want to, again, I can't give you too much information about these DMs, but basically, the long and short of it is, I said, yeah, no problem. You want to use the hold, go for it. Okay. You can use the hold. I appreciate it. But I said, listen, you, not that you need my permission and all that stuff, but like, the, I, this is why I did this hold. So before I get into the rest of the stuff with Dijek, I want to explain to you guys, because some people now, as usual, you get trolls, or other people coming at me on Twitter. Of course, a lot of these news accounts picking up saying, uh, whatever, ECW legend, ECW champion, WWE, former WWE announcer, um, told the NXT star he needs permission. Uh, like, that, that's not what happened. I never told this kid he needed to get my permission. I never reached. He reached out to me. Okay. I, you know, and I, he wanted me just to give. Well, I shouldn't say he wanted me to. I think that maybe he was assuming that I would just give my blessing for the hold publicly, which he doesn't have to even ask me. You know, that's why I thanked him on my tweet that you guys saw, because I said, thank you for asking, or I appreciate you asking something like that, because a lot of current and younger talent, this generation and the previous generation, they don't really ask. A lot of times they'll just take the move or take someone's throw or hold or whatever and just make it their own and it's kind of i don't like that i i don't i'm not a fan of that but it does happen i'm a little old school when it comes to that kind of thing and there's a lot of other veterans that don't give a shit they're like whatever do whatever you want to do with the hold i don't care you know that's not me you know but i don't if this kid just went and did the hold and let's say they called it the taz mission or gave paid homage to it and explained the history of it on the show i got no problem I got no problem as long as they, you know, just give history to anything that I've done because I'm proud of what I've done. I've worked hard at what I've done. But because you got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, I've been victim a lot of several, a lot of wrestlers, suplexes that I worked hard to invent. Uh, I didn't invent all suplexes, but there are there are a handful that I've done that people are doing today on TV and streaming online. That no one's ever done until me and I kind of got these, made these things popular and my opponents helped me make them popular and, and the push I got, especially in ECW, made them popular along with the chokehold known the Taz mission, which if you follow me on Twitter, if you didn't know now, you do know now that it, it's a judo choke called the Kata Hajime, okay? So it's it's a, a lapel choke and, um, it you know, it, it, it okay, I'll get into the, the Kata Hajime and, and the judo version compared to my jer- version in a second here. So, so that's my thing. I never said to this kid, you need to ask me permission. I didn't reach out to him. He reached out to me. That's number one. Okay. Dijek reached out to me, which I appreciate him doing in the direct message. Okay. He had him and I exchanged phone numbers. So we don't have to deal, you know, DM sometimes a pain in the ass and we have text each other as of recent. So again, that's no one's business. What was said and everything's really cool with him and I There's why would there be any heat? There's zero heat, you know? So I'm hoping this kid does well with or without my hold. I don't know if he's going to use the hold. I don't know if he's not going to use the hold, if they're going to let him use the hold. I don't care. It don't matter. I want to see him succeed with or without my hold. I don't give a shit. I, I, I never met him, but I like his style. And he's, and I've talked to enough people in the past 48 hours that say he's actually a really nice kid. 
Now, the only thing I would say that I maybe if I had to redo this whole scenario, what happened, what I probably would have handled better was instead of publicly tweeting him that it probably would be best if he contacted me privately, I felt like maybe I, I slapped him down and I shouldn't have done that. But that wasn't my goal. I probably should have reached out to somebody, but they were shooting TV, WWE, and said, contact this guy and tell him, listen, either follow me or give him my number so we could talk because I just don't want to do this in front of the public. Instead, I didn't do that. You know, But one little defense of me, some of the people that I'm dealing with when they're at TVs, and it's understandable, they don't get back to you right away. You'll text them, and sometimes you don't hear from for four or five hours because they're at something called work. So they're busy working. So, And I understand that. So anyway, um, I shouldn't have went on Twitter and tweeted back and them like that. I, I, a lot of you didn't take it as disrespect, but some of you guys did. And that's what I would have redone because then that got a lot of these people with these copy-paste type of news sites to say, Oh, uh, former WWE announcer and, you know, all this kind of stuff, uh, you know, uh, rips down an NXT star because he wants to use the Taz mission. He needs permission. And it's totally, it's the internet, guys. It's totally blown out of proportion. That's not what happened. I want to be clear on that. I think Dijek would tell you that's not what happened. Okay. Um, and I spoke to someone very high up today in WWE in a couple of texts about this. They were laughing like, dude, you did nothing wrong. There's nothing like what, what happened. There's nothing he did. You know, he, you know, there's nothing wrong. Everything's cool. So, cause I felt bad. I did. I felt bad. You know what I mean? Like I had so many people now they were coming at me a couple of days ago and I find myself, then I'm defending the hold. Like people tell me, you stole that hold from someone just like he's trying to take your hold. Why you gotta be like one of these wrestlers that needs, I'm like, well, wait a minute. First of all, let's everybody just pump the brakes. With, that's bullshit. That's number one. That's complete lying bullshit. I didn't steal the Taz mission, the Kata Hajime from anyone. If you want to say I took it from anyone, it was my sensei um, who I talked to back then and and was throwing different ideas around, and and we were leaning on each other. I, it was a couple of chokes, and that was one of the chokes I wanted to use. And, and then I worked on it, not with my sensei, with somebody else on how to modify it because for those that don't know, the real choke, the, the, the kata hajime, is done with a gi. It's a, it's, okay, in the sport of judo, okay, it, 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 what happens is the gi is a weapon, okay? The gi is used to uh, put joint locks on people, put chokes on people. Your gi is used as a weapon for yourself. Your gi is also used as a weapon against the opponent. You also use your opponent's gi as a weapon against himself. So the gi is, the uniform is part of the fight. Um, the ta- the kata hajime, I won't call it the Taz mission because I did modify it. The kata hajime is all about the lapel on the gi uh, to get that first cross choke, and then the, you shoot the half Nelson in, and that's when you're getting a nasty choke. Okay, so that's that's what it is. What I did, obviously, 98% of the people I'm wrestling, or 99% of the people I was wrestling back then, are not going to wear a gi top, or not going to wear a, a suit jacket or anything with lapels. So I had to modify it in a way that I'm using it without a gi. And if you Google the word transmission. Okay, Kata Hajime is the first thing that pops up on Wikipedia. Okay, and explain, you know, it, it tells you what the judo choke is, it explains it. And then it references the Taz mission that it was modified by a pro wrestler named Taz, or, but I'm not reading it, but that's so Wikipedia got it right. Whoever put that in there got that shit right. <laughs> so that's what it is. I modified the hold, it was inspired by judo. Now, I, I know. Because I didn't know this, but I did find out from a plethora of tweets I got a few days ago. A couple of people were pretty cool, though, and they were just debating. And I, I didn't want to get into this debate because this hold, I mean, I haven't used this hold in years. I mean, this hold is, you know, but it's its part of my legacy. So I will defend it. I will defend how I came up with it and why I came up with it. Uh, and even and I'll get deeper into that in a second from an offensive standpoint why I used the hold. But apparently in the, I don't recall the Japanese wrestler's name. I think he worked for All Japan. I just drawn a blank on his name. Um, he was using this in 1987. I don't think as a finish. He used it in a match a couple of times. 
Okay. And 1987, dude, I broke in in 87. Like I wasn't doing the Taz mission. I wasn't, I didn't know who, I wasn't watching all Japan. You know what I mean? I was, I didn't know I was green as shit. I was, I wasn't a hardcore wrestling mark as a kid. I, I was a wrestling fan, but I wasn't like a tape collector. I wasn't into all that. I just, I was a football player and I, and I was playing judo. I mean, and I was just trying to make money at odd jobs because I, I, I came from a family with not a lot of money. So I was an inner city kid that just was trying to stay out of trouble, you know? So I wasn't collecting tapes. I didn't have the money to get wrestling tapes or whatever. I, I didn't know shit about all Japan, new Japan ring, I, I, uh, uh, UWFI, none of that shit until years later. And then of course, once I'm in the business, I learned, but so I didn't know about, any wrestler using a version of the Kata Hajime in a pro wrestling match back in the day in the late 80s. I was not aware of that, but I don't think it was the person's finish or anything like that. But so regardless, the reason why, and this is what to me it's interesting with Dijak, but you know, it's his call. The reason why I was a little confused, I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. I mean, Dijak's like 6'7", this kid. He's ripped. He's like 240 pounds, 6'7". Six, 6'7", seven. Six, seven, dude. I'm barely past 5'7". I'm 5'9", right? So I used a Taz mission, Kata Hajime, whatever you want to call it, because of my height. It fit perfect with my style, um, with all the suplexes I did, and I would use different judo throws in my arsenal, different Sayanagi throws, different Ogoshi hip throws, um, uh, uh, different, I would use a different version of a, a fireman's carry, it's called the Katagaruma. I would use that at times, you know, in certain off, uh, certain of my offense back in the day. Okay, I did do a lot of stuff inspired by judo, and the Kata Hajime was a perfect fit for my style. That's number one. Number two, the reason why I used it was to bring these, so many wrestlers were taller than me. Back then, most guys weren't my height. They were just giant guys. So the whole brought guys down to my size. It was easy to get them in this version of a rear choke with shooting a half. And it was visual, big, and it would bring these big guys down to a knee so I didn't have to stretch up to get them or I was doing any kind of a a high-impact move to get a pinfall. I wanted to get people to tap out because no one was doing that in pro wrestling especially United States, and I wanted to use a legitimate submission hold. And that's why I did that, was to help my height to bring guys down. So I'm thinking, Dijak, fucking dude, 6'7". Like, you know, he don't need help with his height. You know, I, I, I you know, I mean, he, listen, I, hey, I, no problem. If he, he wanted my nod, I gave him my nod. Did he need my nod? No, he didn't need my nod. I never said he needed my nod. I appreciate him coming to me. I do. I wish it was private. Truth be told, and I've said this in the past, there's been a few wrestlers that have come to me privately and wanted to use certain holds and moves. Not a lot, but a couple had that kind of respect. I believe that. And I've had some people say, oh, come on, on Twitter. Of course, Twitter, everybody's a badass. Oh, come on, you know, you stole some moves from guy. I, I really, I, I, you know, I was not, I, pride my, I prided myself on not taking holds or moves from anybody. Okay, I, was I inspired by certain guys? Yes, I told you guys this a billion times. I'm not going to get to it again. And and I was inspired by people, but I tried to make things my own. I'm not saying every offensive move and every suplex I did was an original suplex. I'm not saying that. Please don't take me into context because that would be a lie. That's not true. That's not true at all. But there are a chunk of suplexes I did that most, no one were doing. Nobody was doing. I wasn't. I wasn't a, a move stealing guy. I wasn't a promo stealing guy. I wasn't. I told you guys the story about Suzuki with the black towel, you know, and I'm I'm wearing a black towel. I, I didn't. I that was, you know, and I'm, I respect him. I think he's great. He was had a great career and he's still kicking ass. Um, I didn't know he was wearing a black towel, and I, I you know, and I, I, I the whole, you know, I knew his history. Years later, with Pancrase, that he's one of the owners of it, I was a fan of Pancrase. I didn't watch it all the time. This is when I was in ECW, and I would get tapes sometimes. But there were a couple of guys I would watch a lot on tape, and it wasn't Suzuki. It was a couple other guys. There were certain styles that they had, okay? And Suzuki wasn't one of them. And I respect Suzuki. Don't get me wrong. But So I didn't I didn't see the towel. I didn't say, I want to do what this guy's doing. I I pride myself, and I do it in podcasting too, in radio, everything, on trying to be original as possible. Some of you guys might not believe it. You might not like it. You might disagree, and that's fine. You you know, that's your prerogative. But I have no reason to bullshit. 
I mean, Jesus, I haven't used this hold in over 20 years. So, I mean, but I do, I do want to say this one last thing in, in, in closing here. It's very important, okay? And I'm going to try and be as diplomatic as possible. And this has nothing to do with, with Dominic Dijak, okay? Nothing, uh, nothing to do with him, okay? This part. Okay, uh, for anyone, any wrestler, um, oh, let me just, somebody had tweeted that, well, look at, look at Kevin Owens doing the stunner. And Steve Austin, I guess, Stone Cold went on his podcast and put over Kevin Owens. And, and that's awesome. And, and I'm not surprised Steve did that. He's a great guy. Okay. But, but I think Steve knows Kevin. They've met. And not only that, Steve, you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He's kind of still part of, he's got, he's obviously probably has some sort of a legends agreement. He was just on the Raw reunion. He did a great job. Closing with the big promo, his work rate, his his uh, his uh, his attributes, his, his I'm sorry, his um, what he's done for the business and what he's given to the business is respected, and it's it's it should be, uh, it's put over by WWE on a regular basis. It should be. He's a legend. He's great. I, I consider him a friend. He's acknowledged tenfold, and he should be. He's earned that. Um, his contributions to the industry are embraced and loved by the WWE, and that's awesome. Okay, I'm not saying I was anywhere near the star, the level of Steve Austin in WWE, because I wasn't. Okay, so don't misunderstand that. But I will say this: um, my contributions to the business, they're not really acknowledged. Like I'm not like I hear people using some lines I used on commentary that I got over, and I. I, I get no credit. I, I see suplexes that I know some of their top talent choosing, and I never get credit. I never, I never, and I don't, I don't, I'm not crying and bitching. I used to joke a lot of around about, about it on the Taz show and stuff, but it's not like I'm running around bitching to somebody, you know, emailing one of the McMahon saying, that's not right. Yeah, dude, that's not right. But my point in saying that is, Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that's great that Steve is giving love to Kevin Owens. That Kevin's a, a great worker, and he's over, and he's it's great. Um, the stunner's an awesome move, and Steve Austin made that son of a bitch super famous. That stunner, and he did a great job with it, amazing job, you know. Um, but the thing is, I don't think it's fair to compare my situation where I was just having trying to have a little dialogue back and forth privately with 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 Dijak. Comparing it to where I'm not the first tweet the kid sends me, and I'm not putting them over like huge and saying, "Go ahead, go for it, use it." I, you got my blessing, like Steve did on his podcast. It's different. I'm in a different position than not just Steve, but a lot of people that were from my generation that still have a very steady business relationship and fun relationship with WWE. I don't have that with them, so I'm not. I, I you know. I'm not I'm I'm not complaining. I'm just being honest. Like I'm not really acknowledged that much by them. Not just me. There's a lot of us that aren't. You know, and you know, really, I don't know what I I don't I'm not saying I did anything wrong to them, but I don't know if I did. I still don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, okay, I left the company on my terms. All right, so what? A lot of people leave on their terms, but maybe that's I don't know what it is. I critiqued their 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 content for a lot of years on my show here, but I put them over a whole bunch too. And I don't think I'm critiquing ultra meanly. So, like, you know, I, I don't know the reason. I'm, I'm kind of done trying to figure that out. But I don't think it's fair for anyone to use that as an example with, with, with Stone Cold and, and Kevin and the stunner uh, to me and, 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 you know, the stuff with Dijak. It's ridiculous. And at the end of the day, dude, it, it, I hope the kid gets over with the move. And you know what? If they call it the Taz mission or, or Morrow or, or whoever in charge, whoever uh, backstage, no matter one of the writers or Hunter, whoever, if they're going to give it credit, awesome. If they're going to pay homage to it, awesome. If they're going to shout me out, ah, that'd be great. I would, I would be awesome. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. I appreciate it. And if they don't, that's fine too. <laughs> I'm not going to lose sleep. No, no matter how petty some people think I am, no matter what you've heard about me on YouTube over the years, no matter what you've read on dirt sheets, no matter what people think they know about me. Um, I I've had people ripping me the other day saying, Oh, you're a dick. Oh, you're selfish. Oh, you this and that. And I'm like, wow, these people don't even know. They don't even know me. <laughs> like, it's crazy. They don't know me. They're just going by hearsay by guys that I was competing against in business form 
25 years ago in ECW, whatever the hell it was, you know, where I was a little bit of a hard ass and I talked about it here and I was a little immature to I handled the push, but I didn't burn the one. I wasn't a fucking dickhead cutthroat guy. I didn't try to hold anybody down and fuck nobody over politically. <laughs> I just wasn't going out partying with these guys and hanging out with everybody. I stayed to myself and I wasn't ultra friendly. Okay, so that makes me a dick. Fine. It was all business to me. That's what I was. If I got the push now at 51 years old, I would handle it different. It's called maturity. <laughs> I've learned. But fine. If people still think I'm that same guy, then okay, great. I'm then I'm done. I'm not gonna deal with that. Bottom line on this thing, uh, not to steal Stone Cold's gimmick, bottom line. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm hoping the kid Dijek does well with it. Uh, if he does use it indeed, and, and if he doesn't use it, or that's fine too. Whatever. I don't care. Um, it's all good, and that's that. So, and I appreciate you guys downloading this episode. I hope you got some insight to this whole story and everything with the whole transmission stuff. And uh, and that's the deal. We'll get some more podcast uh, from yours truly here next week. Get a couple Jones. Might even go a little throwback deal on one of them. Uh, we, we haven't done a little throwback snack in a while. I think it might be time. Maybe a little Taz Hall action too. Keep your eyes over the weekend to the Instagram Taz Talk T A Z T L K. That's where we'll put out maybe on Saturday we're going to do a Taz Hall. So keep your eyes on that some bitch as they say. Maybe even on Friday. Who knows? All right. Look, guys, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the love and support. And um, I'm Taz. You're not. I'll talk later. be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, January 25th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com.